0: are you a victim crippled by the minotaur in the labyrinth of your mind or will you fight your biggest challenges like theseus and fulfill your potential my name is Zulfakar and welcome to the minotaur's maze so hopefully we should be live right now so welcome to the first edition of the Minotaur Mela so this is an offshoot of the Minotaur's Maze podcast um, if you don't know what a Mela is this is an Asian festival uh, a party kind of thing where you've got everything so you'll have a stage with music you'll have a crowd that's dancing you'll have stalls where people are selling things you'll have food you'll have a fun fair with rides um, and then in the evenings you'll have all the dickheads that come out that get drunk and, and start causing fights and in other words basically anything can happen um, in a mailer and that's the symbolic meaning of this kind of podcast thing where there is no theme, it's just going to be whatever happens happens. Um, hopefully every Thursday uh, at six o'clock we're going to come on live, it'll be me um, and my fellow host Farzan who um, I'll introduce in in a second um and then after that you know we'll hopefully get on other people that want to come on and talk about whatever they want to talk about um like i said there's going to be no specific theme it's just going to be regular people having a regular conversation as if you know we're sat you know with our boys and whatnot um and then hopefully in the process we'll uh, entertain you sometimes educate you and hopefully inspire you um as well so uh, Fazan, <laughs> I'll bring you in you know just give a quick introduction um, and then once you've given your introduction let me know have you ever been to a real life Mela
1: <laughs> okay so just to briefly introduce myself uh, I'm Faizan Ashraf uh, 27 years old I'm originally from Blackburn born and raised uh, I say that with pride I can't say that now because I've flown the nest so I now live in London in East London, so very much out of the frying pan into the fire. Um, I'm Gujarati Indian, Baruchi, if that matters, uh, by heritage, and uh, I work in sales. Um, <clears throat> in regards to your question, have I ever been to a Mela? I have a feeling I probably did once upon a time when I was a kid for very 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 briefly and I'm just going to go straight into the to the Gujarati Indian snobbery of it I think for us <laughs> guys you know when we say and what a mela is when you describe it I think if there's anybody here who's from outside of the asian when I say asian I mean like indian subcontinent asian background <laughs> uh you know it's basically it's it's the same as a, what you would consider a carnival or something like that R- roughly uh, except it's just not got the the, the well actually they do have ground rides and shit sometimes no if it's a big one but for they us do. guys it was like you know we're we're a bit conservative we're a bit snobbish you know Gujaratis tend we tend to be so for us guys it was more of a sort of a a Pakistani thing so we never really like we never really got into it uh, as as harsh as that sounds but that was I can say that's not necessarily the case for everybody um but like at least from my family perspective we were a bit like oh uh. <laughs> so I, th- I think I might have visited one very briefly once just to see what it was about because they used to have it in a, in the big park in Blackburn in Corporation Park if anybody here is tuning in from Blackburn or knows Blackburn um so it was always a buzz you know it was, you know music food it was always British Asian music as well though so it's like Again, it is kind of, you know, bordering the end of the 90s, noughties era of British Asian sort of, you know, that combination of like garage, baseline. So, sort of, you know, it was getting to that point now where that was all phasing out, you know, the RDB and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> so it, it was kind of a bit tacky, if I'm being honest with you, at the stage at which I was growing up where, where mailers were done. But I can't I can't recall the last time uh, you know, like is...
0: a mailer. it Like you know, I, I remember going to them, uh, and just for people watching, like you know, uh, Faisal explained that he's Gujarati Indian. So I'm Pakistani. Uh, we're both British, uh, but I'm Pakistani. He's Indian. For most people, that's probably you know, oh, that's the same thing. But for the Pakistanis mm-hmm. and the Indians, it's uh, not it's the not same a... thing. And it's <laughs> you a miracle. know, it's a miracle that we here. You know, the the um. I suppose people don't know the hatred and the uh dislike Pakistan. The underlying resentment that exists. <laughs> yes. How for each other. And I'm sure we you know maybe we'll discuss that later or one of these yeah. things. But um you know the point that I'm trying to get across is face to face, Pakistanis and Indians get along. When they're in their own groups, um they hate each other. Uh I mean it's um, it probably is changing now because it's a lot more multi multiculturalism, but when we were growing up, you know, um, although the town that I grew up in, it, it was a mixture of Pakistanis and Indians. Uh, um, but you could tell that when they were in their own groups, there was a deep hatred. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't call it a hatred as such because... It's just a resentment.
1: It's a resentment that's been... <laughs> you,
0: know, like, you know, they're different. We're better than them. They think we're this yeah. and, you know, we think they're that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and... I suppose it bubbles over, especially on social media and especially when there's political things happening between the two countries mm-hmm. and uh, when there's cricket going on. So um, <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, it stems from obviously the the breakup of, um, you know, British India and the partition uh, when Pakistan was created and there was a lot of violence um, that has a huge role to play in it. But, um, you know, like I said, that'll be a topic for another day. The point is, you know, there is that resentment there. Um, Hopefully it's gonna be a lot different now. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the young scene is. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, the mela was probably more of a Pakistani thing than than a, a Gujarati or a Muslim thing. And, um, you know, the ones that I used to go to were in Leeds, Bradford, Manchester, and it, it was that period that you're talking about where it was the British Asian, RDB, tricks and <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, but it's been a long time since I've heard about. A going on let alone being in one and mm-hmm. um you know sometimes it it wasn't that. you know they had major stars from you know from pakistan come over like i don't know if you've heard of yeah. janoon but but they were like a big massive band they came over a few times and you know there was i don't know have you heard of apache indian
1: apache indian yeah i was just listening to one of his songs the other day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah he, he came down once as well uh so that i mm-hmm. was saying but yeah it's like you know during the daytime it's more of a family kind of affair and it's all right you know the environment's good um obviously you know you get dickheads at that time but um it's more of a family affair you have the stage you have the food the food is nice and then you have the stalls and you have the 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 rides but by evening time and even sometimes during the daytime you you get the people that are starting to drink um and again for the non-muslim audience like most pakistanis are muslims muslims are not supposed to drink alcohol so that in of itself was you know a bad thing that people are drinking there um but in the evening it it used to get rowdy um and there used to be a lot of fights and a lot of you know shit happens when people get drunk and there's egos and attitude and macho flying about um and yeah it's been a while since i've been to one. they were fun and during the daytime uh the fights weren't just between men. There were a lot of women fights as well. Yeah, <laughs> so, fight. you know, um, it's just one of those things. But yeah, it hasn't been on for a while. And that was before the pandemic as well. It's not stopped because of the pandemic. Like, It's probably been about 10 years since I've heard of.
1: Yeah. In, in there's America, never, there's not really been any major ones anyway, I, I would say, at least I can recall. But I think as well, you know, even when you say Pakistani, I think it's worth noting it's, it's a Punjabi thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've never known. You know, like when we say Pakistani in terms of the UK, British, Pakistanis, I'd say, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert by any means, but the vast majority would would you say are Punjabi? Depends or on the
0: nah. side. No, no, no. Punjab is just, it's, it's a big area in Pakistan, but the vast majority, well, I, I wouldn't say there's a vast majority. It depends on which town you go to, like Huddersfield, You'll see a lot of yeah. Punjabis is there. Um, but, you know, there's there's Mirpuris. There's a lot of Mirpuris. Um, I am neither of those. So, um, you know, I suppose people don't realize that Pakistan is a huge country. And then obviously India is even bigger than, than Pakistan bigger. compared yeah. to, you know, the UK, which is a tiny island in, in comparison. Yeah. So, you know, some of these areas that we're talking about are bigger than it's the UK. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bigger than so, the whole of England. Um, i mean,
1: I think that's that's ultimately what it comes down to is like sometimes we talk about pakistanis and indians but in truth like it's like i explained to some of my white british friends for example when they'll they'll make some sort of reference to india somehow like they'll say something to me like oh i watched this bollywood movie the other day and i'm looking at him like go on (laughs) and he's like yeah it's really interesting you know it's really colorful and really this and and i'm like Bless them, like, obviously, they're trying to make some form of connection in terms of, like, you know, it's your heritage. And I'm like, what you need to understand about India is, like, there's, it's literally, like, so many countries within a country. That's how culturally diverse it is. Mm. Uh, You know, if you bring a guy from Bristol and a guy from, I don't know, Manchester together, there's going to be a relatively sort of common understanding they have culturally even though they're from two different parts of England but if you take a guy who's from Mumbai for example and a guy who's from I don't know Bangalore like the cultural difference is so like huge yeah. in terms of language in terms of like uh, you know cultural dress uh, in terms of food um, everything mannerisms, character traits, that sort of thing. So it's like when people say I'm Indian, I'm like, you can pull, it's a country that's, you know, the population is like one point whatever now. We're probably getting into close to one and a half billion. And it doesn't seem to be stopping either. Like you pull a hundred people, any hundred random people out and they could all be so vastly different from the next. So sometimes it doesn't help to have such such an overarching, you know, nationality like that and i'd say the same thing about pakistan in the sense that obviously like pakistan and
0: when you're asking me about um you know punjabi is like i don't speak punjabi i I speak a version of it but it's it's, i don't i suppose i can understand it to an extent but i can't speak it um because you know there's so many you know i think the official language i think i know the official language of pakistan is urdu Mm -hmm. um and but then you know Pakistani Urdu is different to Indian Urdu. <laughs> you know, right. it's uh, I mean, it's slightly different. I, I mean, it's been influenced by Hindi these days as well because that's what yeah. the language of the the movies are, uh, Bollywood movies. That is, um. So yeah, I mean, it's there's so many different kind of cultures in there, but even religions as well, especially in India. You know, the three main mm-hmm. religions: Hinduism, Sikhism, uh, and, and and Islam. Uh, and, and that's
1: another thing a lot of people don't know. Yeah. You know, A lot of people just assume if you're from India that you're a Hindu. It's like, huh? I've had friends who I've actually like grown up with, and it's weird, yeah. Because you love like, what some of my Pakistani friends would be like, first of all, they always think I'm Pakistani. So when they find out I'm Indian, like at some point, it's like they're really disappointed. Like what? Like (laughs) this is this relationship has been built on a lie. Like you don't look Indian, you don't talk Indian, you don't, you know, like how how is it possible? Say it's not so. But then on top of that, it's like they ask a stupid question, like, so are you a Muslim or not? And I'm like, bro, <laughs> like, what do you mean, man? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know, man. Like Indians, you know, like obviously I was like, bro, like just because they're Indian doesn't mean we're not Muslim, I mean, that, that, man. That, that like, is that. weird
0: because like, you know, I, I suppose it comes down to upbringing because like I've been raised in a town which is majority, well, I've grown up with a lot of Indian Muslims. So, um, I don't know that many Indian Hindus. Uh, I met few in university, and then at work left. Many. But the majority have been Indian Muslims. So uh, to me, that's strange that a Pakistani is confused or asking you whether you're Muslim or not just because wow. you're Indian. Because you know you'd expect them to or us to know the, yeah. the difference. But I suppose it's um, I don't know. Obviously, you know Leicester. That's quite predominantly Indian Muslim as well. So yes. you think they would be
1: aware of it the, so. the thing is like if you go to industrial towns more often than not like in the uk like historically industrial towns uh you know like your blackburn and you know a lot of your yorkshire towns like primarily working class sort of places um the, in terms of indians you usually will get gujarati indians there so the state of Gujarat, all of the, and it's usually from the villages as well, it's not the city folk. So you get a lot of folk from the villages within, you know, Gujarat. And, and it's mainly sort of, uh, you know, anywhere between like uh, well, Ahmedabad to to Surat and kind of that sort of area in between. There's a lot of villages there. A lot of those people that came over here. And obviously, other places too, but like, you know, so you've got your main cities like Surat and Baruch, Ahmedabad, Baroda, places like that. That's the villages surrounding those places a lot. So, but coming to a place like London, for example, East London, you've got a lot more diversity in terms of the Indians that you'll meet here. But a lot of them are like first generation, either studying here. or, you know, they've moved over here in kind of pursuit no, of London a better
0: life. Completely different country compared to the north of the UK. So 100%. The diversity in India is diversity of everything. You know, you, yeah. you go down London, it's like, I've stepped into another country here. <laughs>
1: yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting to to interact with those folk because, like, it's weird, yeah? Because even we'll say, oh, man, these Indians. Like, I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember one evening, right? Me and my cousin we went for a little just uh just a little you know uh a chill in the city and we must have come to like tower bridge right which is obviously like you know it's a kind of a landmark hot tourist spot that type of thing and when you're when you're local so my cousin's been here for like 15 years so he knows what's what um so he's like you know let's go tower bridge we'll walk along the thames river it's a nice spot you know you'll see this the city at night it's cool And I shit you not, like walking along that path, you know, there was people out chilling, having a drink, having a laugh, this and that. But I made a joke. I said to my cousin, I said, bloody hell, man, I feel like I've come to Bombay. Like, there's just there's just Indians everywhere. And I, I laughed to myself because I thought, you are an Indian. What are you talking about? But I'm like, these are a different kind of Indian that like, even you feel, even you feel like these guys are different uh and that that's what i think sometimes it's it's important to kind of differentiate but i find it funny that even we say that like oh man these bloody indians that <laughs> like, what do you mean man you are one
0: yeah 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 well i suppose you know it comes down to that caste system as well because i know that's quite uh big i don't know if it is in in, in the indian system but you it's know what do
1: like you like it's not it's not a system. thing for us like i think the the muslims they don't subscribe to that system at all like i've never ever ever known it um it's mainly i would say it's mainly amongst hindus um i've never ever ever been subject to um you know any sort of exposure to the caste system i know we hear about it but for us guys as far as we're concerned you know muslims we don't have anything like that at all so it is even still weird to to talk about it because some people talk about indians and the caste system and i'm like what caste system? I don't know one, and yeah, I've never it, known.
0: Yeah, it's definitely Hindu. I think it was a Brahmin or Brahmas or whatever. Uh, but that's where it came from. And same with you. I've like I've heard a lot about it. I haven't directly experienced it. Um, mm. um but some of the stories that you hear about, I suppose you know, they might be exaggerated. But I know mm. but still some, it's still a big thing, and uh, a lot of people walk around with great pride about their caste. Yeah. And it's like, well you know on the one hand you're proud about your caste and on the other hand you're proud about your religion islam which you know kind of contradicts the the caste thing because everybody's equal so you taking pride because of your caste is kind of a bit of a contradiction but mm. uh, i suppose that's just
1: the way it is you know well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, we're going now into culture and religion like we ain't even messing about man. we've just gone right in there we've gone you know nationalities, politics, culture, religion—all of the nasty stuff. You know all of the stuff that I guess people like riled up and ready to fight. Man, like we don't mess about. This is a proper Mela, But it's, I feel like we've started the Mela at like nine o'clock at night, where you know um, we've already well, started well, um, to get the rowdy boys coming through.
0: Well, I'll, well, to be honest, I don't think there's going to be many people watching the first, uh, well, no. the first few. I mean, first, it's probably take a few weeks before it picks up and I suppose it's you going know, to depend on who else comes on and, and what we talk about um, but I suppose these are the conversations that people don't have publicly like you know they'll, they'll kind of brush over it they'll talk about it but they won't go into it deep like how many people will legitimately admit that yeah we group in a group where we were racist let's be honest it was racism between Indians yeah. and Pakistanis um, and the reason why you know you're smiling i'm smiling and every time i mention it even now i mention it to indian muslims and everybody laughs
1: because they all know it's true because it yeah. well <laughs> if you've ever been mistaken for the other one like the other kind and you've you've been around them and they get comfortable you know what i mean i mean you told me a story once but i've been i've heard it plenty of times to the point where i laugh because when other people in the group call that person out and say bro like you know like fizzy is an indian by the way and they'll they'll do a double take like they'll look at you first like you like you indian like what and then they'll be like but you know what i mean though in it like not you obviously like your sound in it but like you know indians in it and like, <laughs> it's like, bro, I've,
0: I've experienced that both with uh indians and and uh english kids as well because like um yeah. You know, for, for some reason, in primary school and high school, the mm. Muslim kids didn't do RE, religious education. It was oh, wow. more, um, I don't know if that was throughout the UK, but definitely in, in this area. Oh. So they'd get a slip from their mosque saying, you, we're exempt from RE, we're exempt from religious education. So all the Muslim kids would go separately and then I'd be the only Muslim kid in the class. Yeah. Um, in, well, because in, you stayed, yeah because I stayed so um primary school wasn't that bad but in high school obviously you've got a lot more people there Um and it's you know a lot a lot more friction and tension but mm-hmm. so the the English lads got to know me from the early yeah. and back then you know I was just a swatty kid anyway it was I barely talked if somebody asked me a question I'd answer it I'd probably do their homework for them at the time or whatnot <laughs> so they were proper sound, sound with me but you know, um, this one time there was a flare-up um, between the Asians and um, the English kids. Uh, I think some, some somebody obviously made an unsavory comment about one of their friends. I think their friend had passed away or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm there to Ari, and they're there you know, these black bastards, these pakis, and they call us black bastards as well. So it's like these pakis. And it's like, the funny thing is, you know, it wasn't even a pakis that said it, it was an Indian. But, you know, like, <laughs> oh, these black bastards, these cons, they're this and that and the other. And then they see me and they're just like, I'm, I'm kind of one of them. It's like There was no kind of, you know, uh, oh, we better shut up now. No, no, they just carried on as if I'm not even there. And that's yeah. because they're comfortable. They knew how, they knew me and how I was. And then I think about two or three years later, Uh, the muslims kind of um stopped and and they started doing re but um i I just remember this one time where i think we went to art class and and most Mm. of the um muslim kids were were kind of having this meeting so they went at the art class and then all of these uh, white kids were like are you, I think there's one other Asian kid. Are you two the only Asian kids that are going to be in this class? They were kind of like shocked and excited and happy at <laughs> one extent. And we're like, no, I think they are all gone to the RE thing and they'll be in a second. But it's, it's, I don't know, man. You know, it, it is racism to a sense, but it's, it's not, you know, I, I wouldn't know how to describe it because it's like once people are in their own in groups, they say shit yeah. and, and it is racist shit, but. You all get along then, you know, you know all getting along and, um, you know, you're just going about your, your kind of daily thing or whatever. Um, but then you'll have some flashpoint and from that anger, all of a sudden, you know, you're talking crap, you're talking racing. like Even in primary school, I remember um, I was a sort of kid and then they moved me up to a, 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 a different table and, and it was just, you know, it was an older year group so you were like kind of like year four but in class five that kind of thing or whatever it was but um because i did well they moved me up a a table and there was none of my friends and none of the asian lads were on that table um and and back then you know it was whites versus asians on the playground football field so when i moved that table they said why don't you just come on our team so i went on their team Uh, so i'm the only asian kid on, on the white team um and then yeah you play football and then obviously sometimes things flare up. So one time something yeah. happened and all of a sudden they're chanting what do we want paki's out when do we want it now and I'm, like, <laughs> going on? Yeah, I'm on your team and this is what you, what you say, kind of thing um so it's i don't know if it's the same now you know we still hear a lot about it. it's racism and islamophobia i think you're probably about 10 years younger than me so I, it probably was the same in your time but I, I don't know if it's any different now although you think it is because there's, you know, a lot more multiculturalism now. Um, a lot more spotlight on it, but mm. then again, you still hear all the horror stories on on social media.
1: Yeah, I think I think the word that you're looking for earlier is is ethnocentric. And uh, in terms of like when you belong to a particular or you identify as a group uh, around a particular characteristic or you know quality be it your ethnicity, your religion, your culture, your nationality, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily because there's many, many ways in which, you know, and, and we're living in a time where identity politics are rife, like they are proper, properly in, you know, the media. Uh, and it's a, it's a hot topic, you know, everybody's got something to say. Everybody's got some beef with somebody so it's really interesting to observe because on one level uh, you know for example first of all like for me personally like identity from an identity perspective you can you can approach it from so many different ways I mean like spiritually speaking I would say you are not any of those labels you might identify with you know your ego might identify with any one of those labels for any given period of time but you're completely in control of that for example my skin is brown, your skin is brown, we come from a very similar place, we share, you know, certain spiritual and religious beliefs. So there's almost like a affinity there between us, just based off the fact, you know, that we come from similar backgrounds in that respect. But I know for a fact that, you know, because we were even talking about it just before this call, like, there's other things where we don't share the same values, or we don't share the same sort of outlook or perspective and I think it's at that point at which where we start to see how people interact with each other now for me personally obviously I'm not condoning racism but what what I'm saying is like to observe how people respond to something like that is more reflective of their level of development as as human beings as spiritual beings as well because you know we the thing is, in the West, and I say in the West because I've traveled a fair few places in the world. Uh, I mean, in the first world, we talk about topics, current topics and issues and things like. It's the first time we're at the, you know in all of human history. It's like we're at the cutting edge of everything, so it's like it's like people will talk about things as if like they haven't existed for a long time, and it's almost as if like you know we're we're pioneering something, but. When you go to other places in the world, you actually realize that, oh, like, you know, th- there's nothing new about this shit. It's just the way in which we're approaching it or the way in which we're interacting with it. And our sort of, our self-centered kind of views in the in the, in the first world are kind of, you know, and especially with, with, you know, interconnectivity now, you know, global, we're living in like a global society and we're so connected in a way that we've never been before and the media especially as well. When I say the media, I mean like mass media, um, centralised media, but also decentralised media as well. It's very easy for us to present something in a way that can gain traction extremely quickly. That is one thing which we've never had before in human history. And so you can set or create a narrative that can go viral overnight. And it's a hot topic on people's tongues. But I'm like, yeah. you know, like, it's, I'll give you it's a the prime example. I'll
0: give you a prime example. Like, you know, the internet and social media will have you believe that shit is popping up absolutely everywhere. There's violence, there's horror stories, there's fear. Now, don't get me wrong, there are things happening in the world which mm. um, merit that. But the prime example that I will give you is I live in a small town. It's called Batley, mm. right? It's A very small town, like literally, you could drive from one end to the other in, in, in five minutes. It's, it's not a big town at all, okay. So, I don't know if you remember, I don't know if it was six months ago or 12 months ago, there was a, an issue at the grammar school here, okay. Um, there was an issue at the grammar school where I think one of the teachers said something about the Prophet Muhammad, the peace be upon him. Yeah, uh, I, remember. I, don't, I remember, I can't remember what, what it was, right? Now, like I said, is a small town, I'm living in it, I'm driving about nothing, nothing, nothing. I log onto a freaking social media and Twitter and it's national news. It's trending around the country. And it's like, oh my God, shit is popping up. There's protests, there's violence, there's this and that and the other. And then you look at the pictures and it looks like there's so many people gathered there. But because of the way the pictures are, you think there's so many people there. But in reality, you know, there's not that many people there because one, you know the area. (laughs) Secondly, I'm experiencing daily life in the town myself and nothing's popping off. Yeah. But, you know, okay, there might be a few people there or what, whatnot, but the point that I'm making is social media made it feel like there's a fire going down and there's violence and there's a lot of anger and this and that and the other. And it's overblown. And I suppose that's part of the, the algorithms today and uh, the need to basically grab uh, attention, attention.
1: Attention attention is the new currency. Attention is currency. You know, Gary V talks about it all the time. But if you have attention, you have the opportunity to capitalize on it. And that is one of the reasons why, you know, Mr. Trump says fake news. Fear is a great way
0: to grab attention. Fear and uh, clickbait headlines and anger and resentment. Um, and it's just a great way to capture attention. And then it just keeps everyone in this freaking negative spiral of fear and anxiety and stress to the point well, that they get addicted to it.
1: If <laughs> you know. you- if you do you know if you've had any sort of exposure to sales and marketing generally speaking one of the best ways of getting a result uh as far as like you know a buy-in of some sort whether it's a sale of the product or furthering somebody in the in the in the journey towards buying is is make selling emotional you know when you you know when you use emotions emotions are what end up getting people to make a decision so it's like you can start telling somebody about the, the product in terms of the stand it's the standard features and benefits thing. It's like, Oh yes. You know, it, it, you know, the bottle, for example, the, the bottle is, uh, you know, it's, it's recyclable, it's made from recyclable material, but it's a disposable bottle. But, you know, just, yeah, uh, just by refilling it 10 times avoids 170 grams of plastic waste and 790 grams of CO2 emissions, you know, you think that just by presenting it that way, it's like, oh my God. But you show somebody like a fish being strangled by, you know, plastic in the ocean and say, you know, you can help stop this. Yes. Buying one of these. You know, what first what what does it do? It's like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, because you're showing like you know the death or you're showing some something that really gets the emotions, yeah. the heart pumping basically, yeah. and the emotions I racing. You know, I had, you
0: know? A, I had a hypnotherapist, NLP practitioner on on the podcast yeah. a few weeks ago. I haven't released that episode yet, um, but even he was saying like, you know basically, you know, there's a part of, of the mind, you know, I'll, I'll call it, subco- he said it something else, but I'll call it the subconscious mind for ease of reference. So he's saying that there's a part of the mind which can't tell the difference between, you know, reality and fantasy, but we've all got uh, cognitive functions as well critical thinking factor, and that's like the defense kind of mechanism. So, mm. you know, part of the mind that can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy, doesn't matter because you've got this critical faculty side which can discern the difference. Uh, But what he said was there's a way to bypass that system. There's a way to bypass that security guard, in effect. And one of the greatest ways to bypass it is fear, by creating fear. So, you know, uh, not to get too conspiracy theory here or, or whatnot, but there's a real powerful benefit of controlling people, of conditioning them and programming them and getting them to accept certain values and ideas by keeping them in a state of fear because when they're in that state of fear that security guard that cognitive thinking that critical thinking part of the brain is shut down so whatever you then feed the mind it's being accepted it's being accepted and it's, it's just a way of programming people and conditioning them and you know <laughs> we saw that in abundance over the last two to three years. Um, And then, you know, when you see the way the news is presented, it's always the same line, the same headline, might be a different channel. I don't know if you've ever seen that clip where they talk, they show this clip of uh, the media from 2001 or 2002 when they went to the Iraq war. And Mm then it's just, you know, a compilation of clip after clip after clip after clip, different news anchor, different news channel, different person, but every single one of them is saying exactly the same thing. Uh, and it's just that kind of repetitive brainwashing, programming, conditioning. You know, so you introduce fear, shuts down the cognitive thinking process, and then you're constantly repeating the same kind of mantra, mantra, mantra. And obviously you're going to condition and, and, and brainwash people. It's just a fantastic way to control them and basically get them to go along with whatever narrative you're pushing so that you can achieve the aims that you want to achieve
1: yeah i mean like you know i don't know whether you know but it's a bit of a shameless plug but yeah i'm technically speaking like I'm a master practitioner of NLP like I'm a certified master practitioner of NLP I don't really talk about it because it's not a cool thing to talk about you know like most people are just like
0: huh, what's that uh,
1: but the way I describe it is like I would say it's, it's sort of a combination of psychology and social uh, dynamics um, is, is a very sort of simplified way or at least that's the applied that's the applied use of it. It's it's knowledge at the end of the day, but its power only comes from application. Now, you know, there's something, you know, this. We look at if you look at the human brain, we call it the triune brain. The the one part of it, which is actually the part that's connected to your spinal cord, right at the back of your brain, that is the reptilian brain. What's called the reptilian brain, and it's the it's the part of your brain which is effectively, and it's placed in, in that area because obviously your nervous system, you know, is connected by a spinal cord to your entire body. And, you know, the brain, the, it reacts faster than you have an opportunity to think mm-hmm. because that is, that is a survival impulse which is hardwired into you over the course of, you know, developmentally generations, thousands of years for example. So when you look at, for example, a human being, you know, we talk about in this day and age, like we're talking about anxiety, stress, depression, a lot. When you break it down, for example, you look at anxiety, right? What is anxiety exactly? Anxiety is like a a heightened state of emotion. It's like a hypersensitivity. But but to what exactly is you are responding to Something which hasn't happened yet. When you're anxious, you're worried about something which hasn't yet happened. So you're not actually even present with your current experience. You're you're uh, projecting yourself into a future situation, which is ultimately um, it's activating your survival impulses. And so you because you can't be present. You're constantly in this state of, like I said, you know, you're like almost, you're hypersensitive, you're hypertension, you're, you're hyperventilating, you know, you're whatever, you're biting your nails, you're, you're whatever, you're worried, you're fearful. And that's what it is. So like you said, fear, fears of many things, but ultimately it comes down to, boils down to fear of death. That's what all fear boils down to is it's a self-preservation mechanism. It's there to kick you into gear to say, act now before you die. But the thing is, when you're in an office, for example, the same fear impulse that's being safe, say you're in a boardroom and you're having a meeting and somebody calls you out on something. You you made a report, you're presenting a report, you stood in front of all these people and you're presenting and somebody calls you out on on something you've just presented and said, sorry, I don't agree with that, mid-presentation. And all of a sudden you feel your heart go through the roof and you're like I said you're hyperventilating you're thinking shit I'm on the spot (sighs) like you know all of that's going on but that is that same impulse that you would get if for example you were a caveman walking in the wild and a leopard just happens to just present itself or a cheetah or a lion
0: it's the flight or flight response, the Flight
1: or flight response, as it's commonly known. So, how on earth, for example, when you know in your in your thinking brain, when you are stood in that boardroom, what like I'm not I'm not at risk of death. Like the person just asked me a question, but what happens? Your brain goes into this. It's already responded by producing the the nervous response, but you are going through a million things a second. You're thinking. Uh, i'm gonna be I'm gonna be shunned from the group. so social rejection. and if I'm rejected from the group, then I'm gonna die. You're thinking my the the way these people perceive me is important. again, social rejection because I might lose my job as a result of it. If I lose my job, I don't have an income, I die. And it, it sounds so stupid when you talk about it, like logically like know, this. It makes
0: sense, it makes sense because, oh. you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a survival mechanism. Like, you know, this was important back in those days because it, it basically shut down the critical thinking part because when you're faced with that leopard or that lion, it's you not, know, the, time uh, it's not the, time the time to think. It's the time to You either run or you fight, uh, in which case you need to use all of that energy to fight Or run. You're there thinking you're gonna get chewed up and spat out. The difference is, you know, the best way to get rid of all that anxiety and stress is is all, all those stress hormones is by either fighting or running away because that's how you're burning up all of that energy. The problem with today is you're getting that same response. You're getting all those negative stress hormones and all the anxiety, but then you're not having that outlet. You're not fighting physically, and you're not running away physically. So this is where, you know, obviously exercise and gym and all that comes important, but because you're not doing that, all of that crap stays in your body. And I don't know if you've heard of uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza and he he explains it it brilliantly. And and he's like, you know, when you continue to do it again and again and and again and again, it becomes an addiction and it becomes an addiction because your body starts to get used to those stress hormones and used to those anxiety hormones so that even when you aren't stressed your body starts to crave it so you'll create a situation where you now are stressed um, because your body's craving it and it's an addiction um, and, and this is a basically a feedback loop that is happening on a mass scale right now because of you know social media and because of every day some news is popping up and every day you know somebody's anx- you know, got anxiety and stress and depression now don't get me wrong that like, there are people out there who legitimately have reasons for those things but a lot of people are angry because they need to be angry to get their fix of stress yeah. and uh, anxiety which know, obviously it's, it's, a, it's a problem and most of these people don't realize it uh, because well you're in that state all the time and you know nobody wants to single themselves out say oh yeah i've got a problem i need to no addict ever believes they're an addict <laughs> you know even <laughs> if you point it out to them so um, of course. It, all kind, it all kind of makes, makes sense it's all you know our past kind of from the hunter-gatherer days where mm-hmm. technology has advanced uh, science has advanced so many things have advanced but the human mind hasn't advanced fast enough for that
1: and you know we're in the information information age now you know the human brain the human body has developed over the course of you know thousands hundreds of thousands of years so when you think about how much we're exposed to in terms of information in a just one day now and, you know in relation to just 20 years ago 40 years ago whatever like it's insane like you can't your body cannot possibly incorporate all of that development in such a short space of time so we are still catching up but it's it's weird because like if you look at a child now a child is born and raised or part born and raised by you know devices um, mm-hmm. they're born interacting with technology from the get-go um, everything's digital you know toys are tv is tablet is phone is so like
0: your generation like you know did you grow up what, what age but
1: yeah i'm are, like i'd say i'm like the last I'm the last of that, I would say, generation that basically, you know, like I didn't have, I was still like, when I was growing up, there was still dial-up connection. There was, you know, um, video games. Okay, fair enough. You know, Super Nintendo had kind of come out a few years before I was born, Nintendo 64, PlayStation 1, all that sort of thing when I was kind of about, you know, four, five, six years old type of thing. So it was like we were just about coming into, you know, video games computers but the technology was still developing considerable amount so I was born 95 so but if I look at my younger brother for example who was born five years later so he was born in the millennium even he was to some extent like you know okay by the time he was growing up at least we had stable internet connection like more and that, now one of them where you pick up the phone and the internet goes off <laughs> um, but just five years and his outlook perspective his attitude towards life is so different to mine in some ways it's crazy it's like it's clear the generation gap is clear and now i look at my nephew my niece or my cousins who are like 10 years younger than me 15 years younger than me and i'm like i I can't relate to these kids man like (laughs) Uh, uh, what, what what do you talk about Paw patrol like, I don't know what to talk about because they, they, socially, they're not as, you know, they're not as adept like me. I, I, and I love using this example, right? When I was growing up, I was I wasn't allowed a phone. I didn't actually get a phone until I was 14 years old, I think, right? 13 or 14 years old. And even then, my dad only let me have one because in my last two years of high school, I used to go to a different school to study an engineering course, which meant like, you know, and that was an, an old white school, and I'm coming from an old Brit uh, an old Asian school, yeah. So that's another story though. So I I remember I used to go to the park, which was a like 20-minute or so walk from my house, 20-minute, half an hour walk from my house, just to check to see if my friends were playing football on the weekend. And it's not a small park, like is Corporation Park in Blackman. I was talking about earlier, it's massive. And I look back and I think to myself, like, with no contact, no mobile, no nothing, I didn't know whether they'd be there. Or not. I would just go there to see if they were playing. If they were playing, happy days. If they weren't, then I'd just walk home. And I look back and I think, what the hell, man? Like, that's mental. Who would do something like that now? So, yeah, yeah man, like, it's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I suppose I'm all right, because obviously I, I have to be all right, because I've got, I've got young children, so I need to be aware of, you know, <laughs> how they communicate and whatnot, so, like, obviously, you know, I, I did another podcast episode yesterday, and we were talking about this, but um, I suppose we'll save that for another day, because, you know, we, we plan to finish at seven, so it's gone past seven, so... Yeah, we got you know, to, we got to... Yeah, uh, I know you've got to be somewhere, so six o'clock on Thursdays, every Thursday at six o'clock, we're planning to come on live... Like I said, there is no set topic. It's, it's going to be regular guys talking about regular things. Um, hopefully, we'll bring on other people. Um, if you're watching, if you see this, if there's anything you want us to discuss on on, on on this show program, whatever you want to call it, drop it in the comments. Happy to do so. Um, and yeah, hopefully, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. If you liked this episode, it would mean a lot if you would please rate and write a review. Please also subscribe so you get notified anytime a new episode drops. Thank you for tuning in. Now go out and attack your Minotaur.